Hey, yo, welcome to the Just North Pod. It's your girl, Rez. Flacco. Be in the building. We here, we back for episode four of Just North. Today, we're going to talk about get it. A, a, co- a couple of things, you know. We took a week off because life really be hitting hard sometimes, but we back at it. This Two week, we're talking about sports. We're talking about Black History Month. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the metaverse. Fuck Ooh. Mark. Fuck, yeah, Mark. Fuck Mark. Fuck Mark. Let's get that out here early. I don't like that bull. Yo, with that, yo, let's just dive right in. I don't care what y'all did over the last week. I already know what y'all did. <laughs> right? No, let's you get, right. Let's get right into get this to the business. Shit. Let's go, Flacco. All right. Well, our Sixers, as the trade deadline in the NBA comes closer and closer, it ends this week, I believe, this upcoming week. On the 10th. On the 10th, uh, our Sixers and Daryl Morey are rumored to be interested of a trade with James Harden and the Nets. We throw Ben Simmons that way. I've heard rumors of maybe Tobias included in that trade. And we would ultimately get James Harden on our team. That would, I think, booster us through the playoffs, especially if we come in as the four or the five seed or maybe the three. But, you know, it's looking probably four or five. We need someone who's just a pure scorer because King Joel, MVP Joel, can only do so much talk that talk I agree um, but it, what do y'all think for me I always thought that this was going to be Daryl Morey's end game I do feel like maybe that was the Sixers plan all along did they hire Daryl okay Murray with the intention of eventually getting James Harden because they have okay. that relationship now I will say when these reports came out this week I was a little surprised because I didn't think this would be possible until the off season. I was very convinced mm. that Daryl Morey was going to sit this shit out until the offseason, maybe do a little sign and trade with Brooklyn. But then all of a sudden it looks like Brooklyn is interested in Ben Simmons now, which would be ideal. Right. I think James Harden is frustrated with his situation in Brooklyn because maybe he feels like he still has to be, quote, that guy when it really should be you know, a big three with, with KD and Kyrie. But as we know, Kyrie is on this part-time bullshit. And that shit really not fair if you think about it. So this yeah, man he's been, play whenever he he's been te- He's been terrible, too. Like, I wonder why. It- yeah, he hasn't been putting up numbers or nothing. I they've been free why. falling out on the standings. Like, they've been dropping, what, what out of the last 15 games, I, like 11 I or 12? They lost, they lost, like, seven straight, I think. Yeah, right? they lost, like, seven straight, yeah. I mean, I could see why, you know, I definitely want, thought it'd be a cakewalk in the East, but those in that Nets team, I don't Man, know. I knew it. Mm-hmm. What did I say? What have I been saying? Dead ass since last year, all that just to lose to the Sixers. I already said it, dog. These Nets ain't shit. Ben Simmons said it once too. He said, that's all good and well, but you can't just play offense all game. You got to play defense too. The issue. That's their biggest issue is the defense um nets nets really can't get by and i think that's why the interest in because they need defensive help mm-hmm. like they need defensive help bad so imagine like they got three purebred scorers but no help on the other side of the the ball you know so i think it's a it's a win-win for both of us i heard in a trade that we we're probably going to get rid of seth with with i don't ben, like that and i don't no. like that i don't, I don't like that, like that. 
I no, just no, bought no, his no, dirty no, no. dog. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't, Don't do this. They said no for real. They said that it's it's gonna be There's Seth no and Ben is. in a, in a package. But I'm like, but they don't need Seth. They, Why would they, they don't need, need Seth? Seth? And but but the thing is, is Seth Seth has been leading the NBA in three point percentage for most of the season. I don't know if that's still true as of this date, but dog, I don't think Maury Maury's not gonna get rid of Seth because he loves Man. to keep shooters. I'm just Man. wondering though. I, it's gonna be um Ben and T though, because if if they're trying to get like some help on defense, it might be Ben and T. Well, that's the thing. I I've been hearing from a lot of beat writers that the Sixers are unwilling to include Tyrese or Matisse in a package. Like they're it. not trying to give them up. But then we can't we can't let that go though. No, can't. you can't. And I'm thinking. Well, I guess let me know what y'all think. How how would James Harden fit in a starting five? Like who would our starting five be? Because I don't think that. I don't know that Maxi should necessarily be coming off the bench, but then I also guess that if Ben was actually playing the way he was supposed to be playing this season, Maxi would be coming off the bench. I don't know. That's kind of tough just because I think the emergence of, of Maxi has been because we've given him so many minutes this season, like getting those starting minutes. He's been proven that he's worth um, the time that we've put in him. With Harden, I just like the scoring, and I'm okay with him taking over for a quarter off. Or even if Joel's off, we leave Harden on the floor, kind of um, meshing their yeah, like meshing their minutes up so that there's some time where Harden is ball dominant and he's bringing the ball down the court, he's shooting the ball, and we kind of gear toward that and like Seth's scoring. Um, I think I think that would work best. I don't know how we could maneuver the minutes. Um, this kind of almost feels like a two K trade sometimes, like. Where right. would we really fit him in our offense? Uh, I would just be excited to see him to the end of the year and then not resign him. Maybe that's uh, – I know we'd take yeah. on the rest of his deal. We can't put him on a three or four, though, right? I mean – Well, so that's – so I'm kind of thinking about that movement, too. Like, is it is it bench on Danny Green and having Danny Green come off the bench? Because – that's the thing, though. He's a vet. However, he was just coming back from an injury, and I think he was coming off the bench for a couple games, and he was doing all right. Like, he came in and lit that shit up immediately, but that's what I'm thinking. If a starting five is James Harden, Tyrese mm-hmm. Maxey, Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, and I guess Tobias Harris for size, like, uh, that's the thing. Uh, I really don't think we get rid of Toby. If Daryl Morey is able to finesse a dumping of Tobias Harris. Oh, yes. I mean. And Ben. Bro, I'd, I'd love him forever. I would I'm love saying. him forever. Shit. Someone get like Bud Light to build us another statue. Give me one of him if he could finesse we these hire, two damn like, things. Can't we hire Daryl Morey to take Howie Roseman's spot too? Bro, if he makes that happen, like why can't he just, you know run two jobs just do a part-time with the eagles organization or something do a little Kyrie. super tough i just i'm nervous in during playoff time like our the gas on joel is going to be out like he's there's game there's runs where he's just carrying and the only reason we're in the game is because he's doing things other centers don't do other other than maybe jokage um but that can only take us so far we're still going to need those Someone yeah. else to take over. And Maxi did show that he could take over a couple nights ago, uh, dropping, what, almost 30, I think. Um, it's in his, you know, toolbox. I just don't know during playoff time, is that someone we're going to be able to depend on in the playoffs? 
Maybe that's I mean, just me being scared. I don't uh, know. Yeah, it's okay. You probably scared Ben burnt you a couple times, but I don't want to be hurt again. You know, the big it's the hard. Big thing, <laughs> well, the big thing that's different about this season about Joel Embiid is that he actually worked. He was challenged to to improve his conditioning, and that's something that I think is pretty clear that that he's done. I mean, he's missed less games. He's man, he not getting tired like he used to get tired. Like, of course. You know, by the end of a game, you exhausted, but he, I don't know. I think he's really stepped it up. Like Shaq said it best when he was calling Ben soft, like the great ones step up when they're criticizing and, and Joel Embiid has done exactly that this season. So I think we are more than capable of, of winning it all. And I will be interested to see what happens by this Friday. But I think we need to, we need to deal Ben. Like at this point, like I just, I want something for him. If, if it's in the plans, and maybe that's too much to ask with this last week, but I, I kind of want some finalization here of what we're doing with the situation overall. I'm tired of hearing about like, him. You know, like I'm, I'm done. I'm done and dusted. If he comes back, I almost don't give a shit um, or give it or get, you know, it's tough. He burnt us. We like, we're hearing rumors yeah. that what he said wasn't true. He was bullshitting us, this, that, and the third. If we're going to get something for him, let's get it done. So we have something for the playoffs. And we just don't have someone sitting at the crib saying, oh, what if we had him? We're going to hear all during the playoffs. What if we had him in this situation? What if we had him in that situation? And I'm not trying to hear that. I'm really not trying to hear that during playoff time. He's not interested in improving his game. And I think that's the biggest piece for me. Like, he he proved that he's not trying to make no no changes. And I'm all set with that. And I'm just, like, tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. I just wanted to be done and over with which is why i feel like we should switch gears and talk about the nfl and what's happening there buddy obviously it's big news but this whole brian flores situation is taking the world by storm um brian flores was recently fired by the miami dolphins no rhyme or reason um but he decided to sue the organization because he basically just felt like he didn't get a fair shot which is absolutely true because they won before they didn't make the playoffs, they won the last seven or eight games that they had. Brian Flores did that with a mediocre quarterback, mediocre team, literally no star players on there. Um, but he was he was fired, I guess, and um, deciding to sue the uh, Miami Dolphins organization because the owner actually bribed him to uh, lose games towards the end of the season, a tank. So they bribed him $100,000 per game to lose and so he put that all in the agreements um he also said that basically the firing had to do with you know race and whatnot which is also believable as well um with everything so i don't know if have you guys read up on it and also what do you think about the situation as far as like the nfl having too much white owners and is it time to get some black owners in um I when this dropped and after you dropped the article about this happening in the group chat, I actually went and read the 60 page lawsuit. Um, I think Brian Flores is actually suing the entire NFL um, as an organization Um, in the paperwork. It was talking about the situation down in Miami with one hundred thousand dollars per loss, uh, tampering with Tom Brady before he became a Buccaneer. There were some tampering issues with the owner trying to meet with Brian Flores and Brian Flores sticking by his guns and saying, I'm not going to tamper. That's against the rules. There was also allegations when there was an opening in Denver 
that John Elway, the owner, showed up to the meeting late and hung over and didn't give him a fair share. And then the situation with the Giants, where Bill Belichick <laughs> did some real, I think he might have known he did it, but texted Brian Flores a couple of days before his interview with the Giants, congratulating him on the job. Apparently it was to the wrong Brian. and It was apparently to the one that was going to get hired and that his interview was a sham with the Giants and he still went through with it. Um, and hey, NFL, guess what? Putting end racism and stop the hate on your helmets and your fields didn't end racism. Surprise. Uh, the Rooney rule was what? 2003 when it was instituted. Right. And there's still only like Mike Tomlin with the Steelers, R- Robert Sala with the Jets. And that's like in the NFL. It's it's kind of sickening. It's something I feel like we all know and see all the owners are white. Of course, they're going to perpetuate these ideas. Half of these owners probably went to segregated elementary schools and high schools when they were born. Like this wasn't that far back. Like they're probably of that generation mm-hmm. where they went to school split on race and they have this old idea of um, like in the 80s where like black quarterbacks weren't considered high intelligence players, but that slowly changed just based on the idea, the racist ideas running rampant. Is it a surprise? No, the NFL needs to get their shit together. The fact that they also released a statement saying that they're completely false allegations, bad look. Um, but I support Brian Flores, you know, uh, other coaches are starting to speak out like Hugh Jackman from the Browns apparently had a similar situation over there with that owner offering a hundred thousand dollars per loss. Um, it's a systemic problem in society. That's why there's affirmative action. The Rooney rule looks like it's just for show in the NFL. It's just disappointing that people are really trying to defend a lot of this shit on the internet. And it's like, what, what are you doing? Come on now. It's blatant. So I agree with everything you said a hundred percent behind Brian Flores. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I really didn't need a 60 page lawsuit to believe it to be true. For what reason does he have to lie? Yep. Like what reason does he have to lie? And honestly, I just, I don't know. Like, are people not thinking through things like this? Like it's fucking black history month and you will fire a black coach. And now, now he's got a, a lawsuit going again during black history month. He about to get all the fucking momentum. The juju was there for this man. Mm-hmm. Like, he got receipts. Unfortunately, this kind of goes back to the conversation we were having with Tori in our first episode, like being black or brown at work is very hard. And unfortunately, being black or brown at work means you got to keep the receipts. You have to because nobody got you like you got you. And Brian Flores is doing exactly what he needs to do. Fuck all that. Like, it's a white boys club and I support him and I hope that he gets the the verdict that he wants, you know, out of this. Yeah, the the whole situation is fucked, honestly. Um, the the whole thing. I loved his interview on ESPN with on first take with uh, Stephen A. Smith and whatnot, where they they brought up the whole tanking situation, and you're like, yeah, they bribed me for a hundred thousand dollars, and um, he's like, it's just not in my blood to lose. He's like, I I don't lose games bribe me for it and the thing is it's it's a common thing it's almost like taboo to speak about in the nfl that whole tanking thing when every team does it if they want to get the highest pick they just start tanking miami miami's done it before for tua they've done it for, before for Tua. so why would Thanks. this be far-fetched you know and then the whole the whole racist thing it's like now it's starting to open up in people's eyes like oh shit all the nfl owners are white 
huh, how many hmm. black coaches are there in the NFL? You could probably count them all with one hand. Yeah. Literally. Byron Leftwich. Why didn't he get the job in Jacksonville? Do Staley. Point. Do Staley. Staley. Why didn't he get the job in Philly? You get what I'm saying? And the thing is, um, on that same interview with Brian Flores, uh, Keyshawn, last name, but Keyshawn, one of the, the um, speakers there, he was telling Stephen A about uh, a friend that he has that's trying to be a coach and he was interviewing for the job. And I kind of talk about, I knew he was talking about Byron Leftwich and Byron Leftwich already knew that Doug was, Doug was getting in there and basically that Doug got the job. They, they, they texted him and said, yo, you're not going to get a fair shot. Like, so he pulled himself out of the interview because he already knew he wasn't going to get it. Further proves the Rooney rule did nothing. It's just a checkbox that the owners have to meet. So they look like they're giving people a fair share. I just really hope Brian Flores does not get blackballed out of the league. Just like cap Eric Reed, um, players in the NFL who stood out against systemic issues and racist issues. I hope he's not blackballed. I hope he will give be given the opportunity to coach again in the league. And we see him coach because he's a good coach. He made Miami relevant. That's not easy. Bro, eight wins in a row. That's not <laughs> easy at all. And especially with the team that they, they literally gave him like shitty tools and told them to build a house. And yeah. he made something out of it. It's not the best. But it's the start. It's the start of something. Look what like see people. People are criticizing Brian Flores, but hey, Sirianni did the same thing with the Eagles. You get what I'm saying? And he still has his job. Why doesn't Brian Flores get that same treatment? Thanks. It's crazy. It's crazy. I hope this lawsuit doesn't also end in like a settlement, and then we don't hear about it in a month. I hope this starts a revolution. I hope this starts like a thing where where you know black coaches are now getting their fair share you know black owners are now starting to be a thing uh, this is this whole rich white boys club is, is is just yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> did it did it break up at the end yeah, yeah, Yo. like a, a badass little kid he a badass looking. <laughs> you just said that. You said this. This shit is just. And I was like, this shit is what? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. My fault. My fault. It's stupid. I mean, rich white boys club is stupid. Nah. Also, nah, yeah. Okay. Also, real quick, when we like edit this back in, uh, last part. I heard that Brian Flores might be trying to own get like a. Uh, part ownership in the Broncos that are up for sale this year. So a lot of people are saying that's the play. So he can get uh, at least like minority ownership in the Denver Broncos and get a foot into black ownership. Allegedly, that's what might occur. Hopefully that is what comes true. Hopefully it works. Yeah, I would, I would love that for him. Um, Moving on into this, you know, larger idea of black history month. What I guess, well, let's take a step back. I am black and I'm Puerto Rican. So Black History Month is is special to me in, in different ways. Um, B, you're also black and Puerto Rican. Flaco, I think you're just Puerto Rican and Mexican, but correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. All right. Um, but yeah, I think this is this is kind of the perfect time to really 
I don't know, like talk briefly about, I think the diaspora um, or the African diaspora that happened for however many years ago, just because a lot of people aren't familiar with how it works. And I feel like when people think Black History Month, they're like Black folks in America and they have like one archetype of what that actually looks like. Whereas Black folks exist all over the world, including the Caribbean um, and Puerto Rico, where uh, Brian and, and I's family is from. So something that I think about a lot is how I'm perceived, especially given you know, how it seems super mainstream now to be concerned about cultural appropriation, um, you know, social injustices, like all of that stuff. So for me, I feel like I, people know that I'm not white, but they don't know what I am. Like I'm racially ambiguous. If you just look at me, they're just like, she's not white, but I don't know what they Mm -hmm. could be. So for me, I get really self-conscious about how I speak, what words I use when I speak, because I'll be worried that I'm gonna have to let people know, like in advance, like, no, for context, like I'm, I'm black and Hispanic. Like there have been instances where I've been told that the culture is not mine. So I can't say shit like nigga or like other, you know, words in AAVE. And for me that that's tough because it's just like, damn, like, do I have to prove to you that I am? And then having to think about how I would prove that to someone is really like it's anxiety inducing for me because it's like damn like I don't want somebody to call me out and be like oh like you're culturally appropriating like xyz and it's just like but nah this culture is mine and it doesn't feel good when people and people within my culture are gatekeeping it from me so that's something that I struggle with but I don't know I don't know about you B I think it might be a little different for you yeah, my my situation is a little bit uh, it's a little bit more different only because in my case, like the roles are reversed. I can walk. I'll, I'll say like back in high school, I used to walk in the lunchroom and just associate myself with the black kids, you know, and then if I actually wanted to go like, you know, just one day just talk to the Puerto Rican kids or Hispanic kids like they won't think I know Spanish or anything like that. And so immediately the first thing they do is start talking shit about me in Spanish, thinking I don't know, you know. And I think with Hispanics, it's almost like there's still racism within Hispanics because the culture is different. I mean, the colorism, the colorism. Yeah, it's the, it's the colorism. Like they think that that if you if you're black, you can't speak Spanish or things like that. They like calling people like Moreno, Negro. That's this basically all um, I kind of like trying to prove that I'm Puerto Rican. Like even when I was working at Bahama Breeze, like if I serve a table that's Hispanic, they won't they won't automatically assume that I speak Spanish or things like that. They'll just always go, oh, este moreno, like este, you know, no sabe hablar español. But then when I open my mouth and start speaking Spanish, I have to automatically prove like, yo, my dad's black and my mom's Puerto Rican. But my dad, he's Puerto Rican as well. Mm-hmm. So like I, I, I identify as both. You know, and it's just it's it's a tough situation. I kind of like found my identity with that. Later on, I really don't feel like I have to prove myself to anybody because mm-hmm. I know who I am. But yep. it was tough growing up, you know, it's tough growing up trying to like tell people that, yo, you know, I am Puerto Rican and I am black. Like I can I can be both like I can't just be yeah. Puerto Rican and, you know, I can only be full black. I, I can be both. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people struggle with this. And 
I don't know. I thought like it was really just a me thing, right? Like I was so like I was so anxious about shit like this. And I actually wrote a little piece about it for LinkedIn and I shared it on my on my social channels and a number of people hit me up and were just like, damn, like I really I relate to this so hard. Like, thank you for writing this. Like I never really thought about it that way. And honestly, like I just want to say it's it's much easier said than done to just be like, nah, I'm not gonna let nobody tell me about myself. Like it is really fucking hard. Like when people, when people like question you on shit that you've always known to be true, and then you're just like, fuck, like, is that true? Like, am I wrong here? It's it's really jarring, I think, to to have to be like doubting yourself when it's something that you've known about yourself your entire life. I definitely think there's like a real importance on and especially during this month where there's a lot of celebration around just finding your own identity or finding your cultural roots, um, being Latinos and, and things of that it's already tied into our culture. It's tied into the lineage and our ancestry. And I hate when people want to like check your resume, like both of you were addressing, like, are you worthy of this and this? It's everyone has their fair share at exploring their identity, um, their roots, their ancestry. That's, that's a given right to anybody. And I hate when it gets shamed or people are like, oh, why you don't deserve that? Or what what makes you worthy of saying this and that and believing this or having a certain perspective? It's like, hell, like just finding yourself, that's better. Staying attached to your identity throughout hard times, good times. It's like part of growth in what we do. And I think it's valuable that everyone take a moment, especially if you have that, you know, Afro descent or you identify with that, or you're finding your identity with it. And regardless if it was when you were a teen, your early twenties, mid twenties, thirties, for you to even acknowledge and go back and find it and find a connection with it. I think that's awesome. And it shouldn't be shamed. It should be celebrated, you know, being closer to all that type of things tied to your identity. I think it's all awesome. And it just creates a richer feeling in the culture and finding connections across the board. But, you know, of course there'll always be people who want to hate on it. But yeah, I and, appreciate it. And mind you, um, both sides. I mean, I when I was younger, I used to get criticism, not only from the like Hispanic side, but also from my black side as well. Like I have black friends that if I get on the phone, my mom and start talking Spanish, they're like, bro, like, you don't, you know, you're a brother. Why you speak Spanish? Or like, if, you know, I'm with the, they're like, oh, but you hang out with the Morenos, this, that, and the third. And it, the cultural appropriation, like you can't, you can't really embrace both back in, in that time. Like you can't, you have to be one or the other. And I, I never really saw it that way. I never really saw it that way until now. And honestly, I want, you know, my daughter's going to learn that my daughter's going to learn her culture from both sides. Like, look, you are black and you are Hispanic and don't let anybody tell you different. You know, like I can't, you can absolutely be both. Like I said earlier. And, you know, I know, I know Rez struggled with it. I struggled with it because we never really saw it when you were younger. Like nobody, you don't really ask yourself those type of questions when you're a kid. Yeah you know and so and then it sucks when you you get into that position where you got to make friends especially for me like I was in a whole new state with you know none of the kids that I grew up with because that was never a question with the kids that I grew up with yeah that was never an issue but imagine me coming down to the south where racism is now like a bigger thing yeah and I'm going to yeah and I'm going to a public school with like 5,000 kids and I'm trying to find my way in the world and I don't know where to start so yeah it's just crazy no, I think I think it's helpful to 
to you know shed light on on these kinds of things because like I said we're not the only ones who are going through it I think it's really interesting that you know I'm I'm experiencing it from one side and and B is experience, experiencing it from another because I was saying this earlier to my mom I was just like that's crazy that like B feels like he got to prove he's Puerto Rican because when I think I like I'm pretty fucking Puerto Rican like people who know me know I'm Puerto Rican as hell but when I think of somebody who's more Puerto Rican than me I'm just like Brian I was just like he opened his mouth and he sounded like a hick like, that's like, <laughs> like it's crazy like just just thinking about I don't know just just thinking about how how folks like folks can really question you and, and think they got a right to question you you know what I mean like it's crazy and to kind of put a circle on that, you know, it all connects, especially in Black History Month. But again, it's I think it, to a larger extent, this is just like finding your identity. Um, and that could be year round. You don't have to wait for a certain month to celebrate things. It can be celebrated year round. It's part of uh, who you are and to a greater scheme, like historical things as well. Don't just wait once a month. Hey, it's all we got 12 months. Use all of them as you should. That's right. But yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for taking the time and space to kind of touch on that. I'm going to switch gears a little bit because it feels like the future is here. Like every week I'm hearing some news, some new update about the fucking <laughs> metaverse. And before I really get into, you know, the conversation, I want to give some context on the metaverse. So what we're referencing, it generally refers to interconnected virtual communities or worlds where avatars of, of real people can connect. Like people use VR headsets, augmented reality, smartwatches, and smart glasses. Um, this way we transport ourselves into the metaverse. And as of now, a global metaverse that anyone can access doesn't completely exist yet. So most of most of Meta's ideas for the metaverse are still in the theoretical stages and when I say meta I mean the parent company of Facebook who apparently is no longer known as Facebook for whatever reason anyway so just like a couple key terms to know as we get into this conversation so first augmented reality I mentioned it before also referred to as AR it's an interactive experience of real world environment where objects that can reside in the real world are enhanced by computer generated perceptual information sometimes across multiple sensory modalities so visual auditory haptic soma somato sensory and olfactory so that's ar and then virtual reality of course is just a simulated experience that can be similar or completely different from the real world um cryptocurrency is a type of currency which uses digital files as money so it's digital money and then there's also mixed reality the merging of real and virtual worlds to produce new environments and visualizations where physical and digital objects coexist and interact in real time so mixed reality doesn't exclusively take place in either the physical world or the virtual world but it is a hybrid of both and then finally what i feel like folks are talking about the most these days are non-fungible tokens or nfts so these can be pieces of art sports trading cards in-game items and much more they're essentially unique digital items where the ownership and other information is coded into the token so now that we've gotten that all out of the way i will say uh, kind of what the world is making me think of right now is my favorite book ready player one yeah um, i know a lot of y'all 
know that it's probably a movie. Don't watch it. It's fucking nope. terrible. It is the terrible worst movie. book adaptation I have ever seen in my entire life. It's not even close to the actual book. But uh, Flacco, I know you know about the book. You want to give a little a little quick summary uh, of Ready Player One? Um, so Ready Player One is about a not so far uh, into the future, a world where everything happens on some type of virtual reality haptic suit and or oculus-esque machinery students go to school on it you get to travel through it there are upgrades within it that are based on their type of metaverse currency probably more adjusted in our time to like nft values in there um, cryptocurrencies and it's about pretty much a end of the world puzzle Um, let's just say this you don't even need to read it but just listen this it's all bad it ends up bad going on this timeline and i'm gonna say now excludes the the poor makes the rich richer the rich that are rich in real life will be the rich that are on the metaverse there will be a caste system just like in the movie where some people have the shitty virtual reality setups and people have the haptic suits that you can do everything pretty much live an entire life in this metaverse um yeah like I'm, in the book I'm people scared. go to school there and everything yeah like, like you go to crazy. school like, like that's you don't terrifying. live in the real world like you don't there is no real world there's no that's actual reason for like human contact which i'm terrified completely terrified of maybe it does I sound feel like, like we're going that way nah it feels like we're going that way i mean that's scary as hell we're we're virtual well at least i'm still virtual right now i haven't like been full-time in an office since 2020 2020 th- they do like meetings on that shit too where you can like be in a fake virtual office and have an avatar and talk to each other and be in a boardroom and it's this is ultimately going to be adopted because it saves money for businesses not having offices and just saying everyone work from home. That's scary. Matt's we'll scary. Cut all that. That's super scary. So we're moving toward it. I, I saw the articles and the headlines of Nike buying property or metaverse space for their stores and licensing so that they can sell Nike apparel within the metaverse. So people are starting to buy for things they can't physically have. For me, that's even though I, I do buy in-game currency for mobile games and Madden and FIFA, that we're actually going to start buying like hoodies and outfits and virtual dogs and virtual houses with real life money. Is this what's really going to happen? It's like, again, I'm almost lost for words that this, this is really happening now. Yeah, that's been happening for a long time too. I mean, like, as soon as as soon as video games got their online services up and running, like, you know, Xbox online, the PSN, all that good stuff. As soon as they introduced the the avatars that you can have. I mean, I remember being 14 and having like, you know, oh, wow, these these J's on my on my avatar look nice. They're like two dollars. Why not? Why wouldn't I buy it? They, like there's so much so many things that you can invest in now to where it's. It, it's weird because now the prices for these digital commodities are almost the same as the the price for the real ones, like in real world. Like some J's right now are two twenty. They'll also be two twenty in virtual reality, and that's insane to me that people will pay for that. It's and, and also the the whole concept of NFTs. Like all you're all you're paying for is the rights for that item. Like just the the fact that what you is can the flaunt- purpose. 
Because it's just saying that you're you're the it's only just like, one that's just like having art, but it's just so it's to me like I just really don't see the purpose. Why would I spend money on that? It's not real. It's just like cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is not real. It's just like it's, it's just yours, like money. Though, that's why. That's but that's why. it's the same thing with regular real life money. Like that shit was isn't real. Like it's not real, but ma- men made it real. So now we need money, and the world runs off money. But it's not real. Like that's crazy. I mean, that is that. true. It's crazy. No, it's crazy. But it's the fact that you are the only one that owns that item. Like the but, whole. But like, the whole, go ahead. You could say that, but like, if I really wanted it or liked your NFT, I could screenshot it on my shit. Unless there's some type of block on your art or whatever, I could screenshot it, and it technically I could put it as my background, and it's mine for what I right. wanted it for. Right, but if you wanted to resell it, you can't. That's the point. Like, you can't you can't resell it because Something. in the code of that in the code of that item you're not the person that owns it. You just have a, you just have a fake. You have a screenshot. It feels scammy. It feels scammy. It 100% is scammy. It's, it's like the richest, the richest, like, uh, how is it? It's like the richest flex, bro. But it's wild, right? Rich folks who got it. Like it's rich folks. It's rich folks flexing like that. They own it. Like the whole space apes thing. Like the naked apes. I was just going to say, yep. It's it's, the concept is so stupid because you're paying for a picture of a, that's on the moon or that has like an astronaut suit but you're literally just paying for the fact that you're the only person that owns that item it's so goofy it's goofy right i don't know what what like what it what point it like i don't know i don't know also it's like when celebrities are pushing this shit they can just make up prices for shit like it's super rare and exclusive why Mm -hmm. because they said it like I saw some, I think it was like Jimmy Fallon. No, yeah, Jimmy Fallon or something like promoting the one he bought, talking about those monkey NFTs or whatever. And it's like, well, is it really that core? Are you just pushing it so like people with money just waste their bread on it? I don't know. I mean, it's if you can, cool. just, if you can find yeah. a way to make money out of it, go ahead, do your thing. It feels scammy. It just feels like I can't trust it. Like, what am I really pumping money into? But hey, if you get in the hustle out of it. Yo, shout out to that. The same people who made bread off of uh, Dodge, Dogecoin and all that shit. It, I don't hey. get it. I barely understand real life money that we use here. You talking all that crypto wallet bullshit? Scammy. Scam. Gives me the Jeeves. Even if you sit there and explain it to me. Does it make, does it make sense? No, not to Probably me. Not. Yeah, no, it, it's weird. We're moving towards the matrix, man. I mean, really. And Mark Zuckerberg's going to be at the helm of it. He's going to be the, the loyal king. Fuck that. Fuck that guy. I, but, you know, all his little agents out there, shout out, but no shout out. Especially, I also think if you both seen the social network where, yep. Jesse, where Jesse Eisenberg, right, played yeah. him, yep. I 100% say that's his Mark Zuckerberg's personality. And you can't tell me any different. He's an asshole. He doesn't, He yeah, I, I agree. He don't care about nobody but himself. Period. Also, I think it's weird that they changed their company name to Meta. Like, are they really banking? Like, what if the Metaverse doesn't happen for some reason? Like, what if it just doesn't happen and they change their well, entire company? they lost company? billions of dollars building it out last year. <laughs> and they continue losing. The stock is plunging. It is plunging. What if the stocks drop so low that this shit just doesn't get off the ground and they change their entire company, pretty much put all their eggs in one basket? Because, I mean, Facebook hasn't been cool for how long? 
I mean, it's been quite some time. It does have it does have its place with the older generations. It does, as a but social they, media expert here. And I think that's their audience. But, but they though. die. They yeah. die though. They got to bring new people in. There's not like teenagers mm-hmm. saying like, "Let me hop on the Facebook." That's where all your new growth is going to come from. Like those young kids, those early twenties. All these old heads eventually die and move on. Damn, that sound whatever. I said what I said. Die and move on. And then where's the new growth? Like, I mean, they 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 couldn't figure it out and just bought Instagram. <laughs> like they just bought them. And, hey, we'll buy you out because we know kids are hip to it over there. Skirt. I don't know. Wait, buy what out? Who's gonna buy what out? Well, when Instagram got really popular, Facebook bought them out, oh, and that's yeah, how they owned yeah. them. Yep. So it's like. Yep. They just kind of just buy out other things, like how they bought out Snapchat too and everything. Like it's just correct. They're just gonna I don't know what they're gonna do, but I don't want Mark Zuckerberg at the top of this. He's the he's the evil villain we see in the movies. He is that evil villain. He's not gonna be he's not gonna be at the top of it because I think the metaverse is is steaming more towards like video game consoles, you know, because they're already building, they already have a thick community of like the younger generation. I think like Rez said, the audience that Facebook has is more the older generation. The older generation is not going to get involved with Meta. That's just a fact. They're not going to do it. Like a lot of people, they're kind of like shy away from it. Most of their audience probably doesn't even know how to get an NFT. So for them to to take that leap of faith and try to get involved is kind of, um, you know, more of the metaverse is in Roblox. Like, you know, the kids these days playing Roblox. Nike bought the land in Roblox to make Nike land where kids can just <laughs> legit go. It's legit like a theme park. In the near future, I'm, I'm saying it right now, there's going to be theme parks in Roblox that you have to pay actual theme park money to go to. Oh, my God. What the? Like, what the? That's not an experience. Isn't that crazy? That shit's crazy. Or is, or is it an experience? I don't know. Is it like a W because like everyone can experience it, not based on location? Or is this like an L because people are going to rather pick, oh, for convenience sake, we'll live the experience out in like the metaverse instead of spending the bread to go in real life or doing it for realsies. Right. It's, I don't know. It's I, I don't know which side is going to land because, you know, we're, we'll be around for, you know, the next hundred years, all of us. So we'll figure it out. Right. We'll see how the future takes us. Yep, the path to singularity. Watch. Yep. I guess we just gonna have to see how this shit plays out. I mean, shit. <laughs> it's scary. It's scary to think about it that we're we're getting more towards like losing our actual reality and like our consciousness. And it's gonna get to a point where like, I mean, we're probably not gonna be around for that, but human beings aren't gonna be able to recognize like what is real or not, you know, like what what's tangible and what's not. Isn't that that's so scary to me just saying it? I feel like we're those old heads yelling at the new kids, like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? It's so hard not to feel like those old heads where it's like, yo, technology really take and taken over. I mean, we already depend on it so much, whether it's like our health, our diet, our jobs. Like, I mean, I thought we were gonna get the Jetsons when we were like in 2022. We're not there, we're we're going down a way scarier path than just flying cars which i still do not have and i'm a little upset because right. as a kid I, I definitely thought that was a possibility retweet retweet but yeah no this it's been real this week y'all I, we talked about a lot of shit como siempre as usual but this has been episode four right at this point episode four of season two 
Hell and yeah. Nor, yo, send us your topic requests. You know, we down to talk about whatever. And thank you again for listening. We appreciate the support. Deuces, mi gente. Love y'all. Merch coming soon. We out.